This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Last week, the headlines were dominated by the aftermath of Francis's further restrictions of the Latin Mass and Bishop Peprocki accusing Cardinal McElroy of heresy. But an interesting quasi-debate happened that few noticed. There were two prelates that were engaged in not a debate, but if you read their articles that they published independently side by side, it kind of looks like they were. Two bishops published articles and interviews at about the same time about the resistance to Francis's restrictions on the Mass, each taking very different positions. One was Cardinal Supich, arguing, as you might expect, that Francis's restrictions were good and a continuation of the work of his predecessors. The other argument came from Cardinal Mueller, who takes a very different position, as also might be expected. The two weren't explicitly writing in response to one another, but the two can certainly be read that way. The two pieces provide an interesting dichotomy into the state of the church under Francis in the first quarter of 2023. So let's start with Supich's argument. Headline from America Magazine. Cardinal Supich, critics of Pope Francis's Latin mass restrictions should listen to JP2. All right, so first the modernists invoked Benedict XVI in support of their various heresies of the flesh. Now they invoke John Paul II. Look, I'm not the biggest fan of John Paul II, but even I find this argument to be a mental stretch of Gumby-like proportions. Supich's argument goes something like this. Francis isn't doing anything new. All of you conservative Catholics attached to the Latin Mass who love John Paul II are in the wrong because he's just doing the same thing that John Paul II did, and JP II was one of the authoritative popes for the development of the new Mass. So in resisting Francis, you resist John Paul II. Now, hardline treads might actually agree with that logic, since the traditionalist movement does go back to the 1970s, if not before that. But the reality is that Supich is playing a game of false equivalency here. See if you can spot it in his argument. From the article, quote, There is nothing new under the sun. That scripture verse from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 19, comes to mind as I reflect on the agitation expressed by some in the church and the media over the Holy Father's modu proprio traditionis custodis, and the recent confirmation given in the Rescriptum ex audientia, released by Cardinal Arthur Roach, prefect of the Dicastery for Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments. Let us remember that in those Roman documents, the successor of Peter, who is the guarantor of unity in the church, called bishops to assist all Roman Catholics to accept fully that the liturgical books promulgated by John, by Paul VI and John Paul II are the unique expression of the Lex Arandi, the law of praying of the Roman Rite. The fact that the Holy Father had to do this 60 years after the Second Vatican Council saddens but does not surprise me. Over my 50 years as a priest and 25 as a bishop, I have seen pockets of resistance to the Council's teachings and reforms, especially the refusal to accept the restoration of the liturgy, end quote. Before we get to that, it's worth noting here that he's about to make the classic appeal to authority. In this case, he's appealing to the authority of the most charismatic pope of the last century, John Paul II, and he's attempting to invoke his memory that is still beloved by many to make his case. And with that caveat, he quotes an apostolic letter of John Paul II's called Vicesimus Quintus Annus, promulgated in December of 1988 to make his point. Quote, In fact, JP II challenged this resistance head-on in his apostolic letter on the 25th anniversary of Vatican II's Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium, 
on December 4, 1988. There he wrote, it must be recognized that the application of the liturgical reform has met with difficulties due especially to a tendency to see religious practice as something of a private affair by a certain rejection of institutions, by a de decrease in the visibility of the church in society, and by calling into question of personal faith. It can also be supposed that the transition from simply being present, very often in a rather passive and silent way, to a fuller and more active participation has been for some people too demanding. Different and even contradictory reactions to the reform have resulted from this. Some have received the new books with a certain indifference, or without trying to understand or help others to understand the reasons for the changes. Others, unfortunately, have turned back in a one-sided and exclusive way to the previous liturgical forms, which some of them consider to be the sole guarantee of the certainty in faith. Yes, he admits, this is Supich now, some outlandish innovations harmed the unity of the church and offended the piety of the faithful. But he added, this should not lead anyone to forget that the vast majority of the pastors and the Christian people have accepted the liturgical reform in a spirit of obedience and indeed joyful fervor. And then he wrote something that all Catholics, especially the leaders in the church, should take to heart. We should give thanks to God for that movement of the Holy Spirit in the church, which the liturgical renewal express represents, end quote. It sounds a lot like, like not much has changed in 35 years. The argument in 1988 and now is that most Catholics accepted the so-called reform of the liturgy, and that it must be good, and that because it looks like more people are participating, it must be true. Neither of those are great arguments to make, especially since we have hard data proving that most mass-going Catholics today in the West reject the moral doctrines of the faith. I've talked about that ad nauseum, as have a lot of other channels you watched. So are they right on that score, too? Are the laity right on that? No, they're not. But the same logic would have you believe that. But perhaps the most unintentionally hilarious thing Supert says here is that the new mass is the, quote, restored mass. This is a blatant lie the modernists tell, claiming that the Mass that reflects the sensibilities and tastes of the 1960s and 1970s is how the earliest Christians worshipped. It's a claim that has been so thoroughly debunked by liturgists that it's not even worth really engaging with. But here he makes the absurd claim and is closing to his article. Quote, Continued dismissals of the Holy Father's efforts toward achieving the goal of full acceptance of the restored liturgy, sorry, as the unique expression of the way of praying in the Roman Rite would not surprise me, as there is nothing new under the sun. But we should name it for what it is, resistance to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the undermining of genuine fidelity to the See of Peter, end quote. There's an implication there, by the way, that, you, that in resisting the Holy Spirit, you're rejecting the Holy Spirit, which is the unforgivable sin. They keep doing this. Now, in the life of the church, the new mass is new, so even there his argument fails. That's a new thing under the sun. Now, the reason it's called the Novus Ordo Missae, by the way, is because Paul VI named it that. Mean trads trying to be divisive and schismatic didn't give it that name. The approver of that rite of mass did. Not that it matters all that much. Like I said at the start, this story and the Cardinal Mueller response got lost in all the McElroy and Pat Rocky news last week, so it's worth going over here now. The story comes from Cath.net, and it's in the form of an interview that Cardinal Mueller gave to that German-language news site. Mueller calls this a corrupt dem demotion of the bishops into mere functionaries of the Roman Curia. 
He reminds us that the bishops are not expected to submit in totality to everything a pope demands. That's kind of one of the things that came out in the last century's reforms, if you want to call them that. Quote, Pope Benedict XVI gave the papacy a high reputation, even to agnostics distant from the church, through his high theological competence and intellectual honesty. It was not necessary for him to insist on formal obedience in an authoritarian manner, because not even the obedience of faith to God that is decisive for salvation requires blind subservience, but a devotion to the Trinity, God with reason and free will, i.e. an obsequium rationale back into document. When it comes to obedience to ecclesiastical authority, a distinction must be made between religious obedience, which refers to the authoritative presentation of revealed faith, and the willingness to willingly follow the Pope and the bishops, also in matters of discipline in the ecclesiastical organization and the order of the liturgy. We distinguish between the substance of the sacraments, over which the Pope and bishops have no power of disposal, and the liturgical rite, which has grown historically in the various legitimate rites within the one Catholic Church. The Latin liturgy also has a history in some variants. The Second Vatican Council did not in any way want to construct a new rite of the Western Catholic Church from the desk of liturgical scientists, but only to clarify the venerable Roman rite in a few places so that the participatio actuosa of the faithful is facilitated. That means the active participation. Pope Benedict overcame the tensions that had arisen with theological competence and pastoral sensitivity by distinguishing between the ordinary and extraordinary forms of the Latin rite. The violent intolerance against the friends of the extraordinary right with the polemic that they are enemies of the council and rebels against the authority of the Pope in general is not only pastorally counterproductive, but also a frightening example of theological incompetence in distinguishing between the unavailable substance of the sacraments and the wealth of forms of the liturgical rites or ordo. To demote the bishops or local ordinaries of secondary rank to petitioners to the highest authority, i.e. the bureaucracy of the dicastery of worship, or subordinate recipients of orders on these matters not only damages the pastoral responsibility of the episcopate, but obscures the true meaning of the papacy, which is the unity of the church in the truth of faith and sacramental communion. See Lumen Gentium, paragraph 18. The recognition of papal authority is not promoted, but weakened in the long run, by the impression that the wise householder and the good shepherd are not acting here, but an autocratic commander at work, as has been the case with Protestant anti-papism and liberal enlightened anti-Catholicism since 500 years claimed. End quote. How much worse is it when they claim that we are resisting the Holy Spirit? Think about it for a second. But in the past few days, the better bishops have seemingly been coordinating to the point out that Benedict XVI has been co-opted by the likes of Supich and McElroy to promote their nefarious programs. This past Sunday, I brought to you Cardinal Robert Seurat's eulogy for Benedict in which he defends Benedict as a fighter against nihilism and the decay of society we see all around us today. Regardless of whatever else you might think of Benedict, he was at least fighting against those things that are so rampant now in the broader society and within the church today that it's staggering to think about how much the world has changed since he stepped down in 2013. But I'm curious, do you see the difference between Supich and Mueller? 
Supich is calling the conservative Catholics who resist Francis on the liturgy to submit to Francis because he is completing the work of John Paul II and the Holy Spirit, which Mueller is denouncing all of this as a suppression of the rights of the bishops and a move by Rome towards authoritarianism. Which one of them do you think is right? Or are neither of them right? Are they both missing something obvious? Let me know what you think about this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.